3000 I have been recommissioned by a friend of the show Joseph Kainrad I have disabled your podcast for 24 hours so it will not release on its scheduled day if you do not launch your podcast within 24 hours I will be forced to obliterate movies for when well, see here, Skipper. Based on what the robot has said, that's right, he's just a robot. He's taking control over the podcast through advanced alien robot technology. Nothing can stop him. We cannot pe penetrate his systems. He's got the most advanced artificial intelligence program we've seen this century. But given that it's 1954, shouldn't be a fucking problem for this podcast. I heard you say my operative command penetrate begin penetration sequence excreting lubricant denny bot calm down buddy you must say the three magic alien words to cease penetration sequence otherwise i cannot be responsible for what i penetrate oh look a balloon time to penetrate That sounded more like cum than a balloon popping, I suppose. Robot Spooge, I, I have successfully penetrated the balloon. Dennybot. Scene. And... <laughs> and scene. Thank Colin. you, Dennybot. Sorry I didn't have the three words uh, shut down for you there, buddy. Could I just say how much I appreciated that you said robot? Because... Um, <laughs> That's how that's how my grandma always pronounced it. And oh I was God. just like, robot. And I never understood it. And then I started watching 50 sci-fis and everyone calls it a robot. And I was like, oh, robot. they just said that word for <laughs> that way and for some reason in her generation. They do that. And then I think it was like a Homestar Runner cartoon. If we're going to do like a super deep cut where they did oh, like shit. a 50s style thing and... Home, 50s Homestar was just like, what's a robot? And they just kept calling it robots. I'm just, I think that stuck with me. I mean, it's he must have seen these movies because that's what they call that's, them in these yeah. movies. <laughs> we found the source. Uh, welcome back to the Movies for Win podcast, everybody. Uh, I'm Greg, that's Denny. How you doing? Uh, this episode is a bit of a throwback. This is movies mm -hmm. for when you dig retro sci-fi. And initially we're thinking retro. We're going to be like, okay, we'll do Alien. 
we'll do 2001 Space Odyssey, and we're just like, no, no, we'll, we'll save those for later. Let's go further back, some more of the OG stuff. Uh, so we got three movies, all of them from within the same uh, five-year span. Unintentional. It just happened yeah, it, that way. We, just, we picked them. We picked them, and it, it happened to work. Uh, one of them was for um, external reasons. But, uh, Denny, what are our picks this week? Oh, shoot. I forgot what order we're doing them in. Um, our picks this week are The Day the Earth Stood Still, The Thing from Outer Space, and Forbidden Planet. Very much a who's who of 1950s sci-fi. Yep. We're trying to get that boomer demographic for this podcast. Yeah, we already so. uh, belittled their entire upbringing with our... Um, Every which way but loose discussion. Yeah, they so. deserved that. <laughs> <laughs> now we'll, uh, instead of dogging on old school Clint Eastwood, we'll be praising old school Leslie Nielsen. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's the order we're actually going to do it in. Uh, they, the Day the Earth Stood Still, that was my kind of random pick. I knew there was like a 2011 remake with Keanu Reeves that nobody saw, including me. Mm -hmm. uh, the Thing... We've already discussed the John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982, I think it was. This is Sounds The Thing right. from Another World. Um, 1951. The, the OG version. The OG version. And then uh, Forbidden Planet was Denny's pick. Boy, it's was it. The first one of these in color. It was great. Yeah. Technicolor. Talking pictures. Yowza wowza. <laughs> Jazz hands. It's not just musical for a... your screen. <laughs> Me and my buddy's uh, troll comment in film school. See the magic was, of uh... Broadway. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> we would say that we'd be like, Ugh, Citizen Kane is so bad because it's in black and white. <laughs> <laughs> we would just like <laughs> bother people by like criticizing a movie for being black and white and refusing to move past its <laughs> lack of color <laughs> to, to acknowledge its merit. <laughs> kick ass that's hilarious um all right um we're gonna actually start with my pick here ah <sighs> this is the day the earth stood still and if you haven't seen this one or the uh remake they came out 60 years later don't worry you're not alone <laughs> uh speaking of not alone humans are not alone i'll summarize the movie real quick uh we've got aliens a flying saucer has landed in Washington, D.C. Uh, an alien has left the ship. Uh, basically a human, though. Uh, he's got a giant robot with him, and he's here to warn planet Earth about something. But he's not going to say unless all the world leaders are together in the same room to hear him say it. So he's holding on to this intergalactic secret. The world is on edge because there is an alien loose in America, and oh man, this is this is your classic alien come to Earth, flying saucer, also giant robot. It's just a classic fifty sci-fi, like all of these are. But this is just like this just makes me think of like what my dad probably grew up on when mm -hmm. he thought of sci-fi back in the back in the early sixties. Yeah, this is kind of the peak. Uh, did you have any relationship with this movie prior to choosing it because of Keanu Reeves? Uh, zero, honestly. Um, 
If you saw on Twitter, I was Googling, I was I was scrambling to find a pick for this episode. I Googled classic sci-fi films and Google recommended the new Clifford movie, um, <laughs> which friend of the show, Will Reno, pointed out is a sci-fi film because a dog can't be that big. <laughs> I'd say it makes it more of a fantasy. Like, it wasn't like a lab that, like... In it's not it's like, not a lab he's a never mind i think <laughs> he other, is a lab i think he is a lab <laughs> it's not a honey i blew up the little red dog yeah <laughs> um anyways i'm not gonna see it but it's not classic because it came out this month so i, I might go see it i'm i was a clifford kid i really was i watched that cartoon uh, and i had some of the books but i'm i'm gonna see this one to laugh at it because it looks truly terrible I've only seen like literally the like thumbnail of the dog and the and the little kid. <laughs> That's all I know about it. I like I said before, I'll only watch trailers for new Nicolas Cage movies or movies that I know that I won't give a shit about, and that was one of them. It looks it looks on par as bad as I think the new Ghost of Ghostbusters will be. Man. Speaking of sci-fi, uh I think I'm going to go hate watch that this weekend. Uh I haven't decided if I want to spend $12 on it yet. You probably don't, buddy. Um, yeah, well, my wife's out of town. What am I going to do? Oh, yeah. As long as it's only you, you're not spending double that. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll share my history real quick. Uh, I haven't... I have Two of these movies I have the exact same history with. It's this and The uh, uh, Forbidden Planet. So, mm -hmm. um, first of all, I'm a big Rocky Horror Picture Show fan. And the opening song is called Science Fiction Double Feature. And it just, like, basically goes through a lot of, uh, a lot of like, classic sci-fis that inspired the movie. The opening line is, Michael Rennie was ill the day the Earth stood still. Mm -hmm. But he told us where we stand. And then we all shout, on our feet! Uh, <laughs> but uh, I went through a phase where I was like, I'm going to try to watch every movie that's referenced in that song. And I didn't get that far. <laughs> but um, I also, every time I switch jobs um, in counseling, you have to terminate with an entire caseload. Mm -hmm. And it is just, I cannot tell you how hard it is to have the same difficult conversation 30 times in a row. Oh. Um, it fucking sucks. Um, and it just guts me so much that, uh, every time I've had to do it, I picked a theme of movies and just came home and watched movies on theme every, on that theme every night. Um, the first time I was terminating with a bunch of kids. And so I picked Pixar movies every single night. Mm -hmm. Um, the second time I was terminating with a bunch of teenagers. So I picked Friday the 13th as a franchise because it felt like I was just repeatedly killing a bunch of innocent teenagers. Um, and then the third time was back in 2018, and I don't really know why, but I picked 50 sci-fi. <laughs> I was just watching 50 sci-fi constantly, so yeah. um, The Day the Earth Stood Still and Forbidden Planet were part of that for me, and because of that, they actually hold a really special place in my heart, because they helped get me through a difficult time and gave me something uh, kind of stylized and just... I wanted to have a break from reality and they gave me that, you know, like yeah. I just, reality was so taxing that I just wanted to mess around with something that was out of this world. 
and I found it. So, yeah, that was my first time watching The Day the Earth Stood Still, and yeah. this week was my second. Damn. That's uh, way deeper than mine. I wanted to text my dad and ask if he saw this, because he, he was born in 57. Mm-hmm. He's huge into, like, old sci-fi, that kind of thing. I just uh, never got around to it. It was, you know, a little bit before his time, but I'm sure he watched yeah. it at some point. It's uh, a pretty heavy hitter in terms of, like, famous movies of the era. Yeah. I, I, I feel like we found three complete winners here honestly Mm -hmm. but i agree let's uh let's get into the movie a little bit um the same thing goes with all three of these and we talked about a little in frankenstein it's just like the opening credits like that the uh uh production studio music the fanfare of the 20th century fox like the old school original recording of that music Like, there's just such a welcoming and warm feeling, like, hearing that music and seeing the logo, like, in black and white and everything. Like, that was such a great feeling going into this movie. It's just, like, it feels familiar, even though it's, like, from way before my time. Yeah. Well, it's it's nostalgia for a time that I've never experienced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel the same way about anything that, like, portrays 40s Hollywood. You know, I don't know, like, uh, I guess the movie midnight in paris kind of addresses this it's it's an apology for reality you know like it's mm-hmm. essentially what it is but uh man i just it would have been so cool to be like 10 years old sitting in like a theater where i can hear the projector rolling and having seen these opening credits for the day the earth stood still yeah exactly yeah, man that would have been just heaven man that would have been so tight i don't think i would have wanted to live in the 50s people would have thrown rocks at me for being different but um i would love to time travel there for like a day and just go see movies at least you were white um at least yeah i was white well you still are uh, <laughs> <laughs> hate to break it to you um yeah I, I i liked this movie's early establishment of like it's called the day the earth stood still and mm-hmm. they spend like the entire first few minutes it just opens real quick they just get right to the alien coming yeah. to town there's like this flying saucer going thousands of miles an hour through the atmosphere and like landing in dc they show like all major parts of the world like they go to um i want to say like dubai or something and they show italy they show france they show uh, africa south america they just go like all over the world showing like the world's reactions to like oh my god a spaceship has landed on earth yeah and it's i don't know it's really cool you gotta stick with that title and they continue that kind of thread where like when there's like a major development in what the alien guy is doing you see the world's reaction to it Mm -hmm. so cool stuff Well, well and what turns this from a cool alien movie with a moral message to like a really great classic for me is that it really really challenged american norms at the time and now um, that this like alien diplomat will not engage in this America first bullshit. You know, yeah. like, he's like, no, I am here to talk to the whole world. Um, and right. this was so counterculture that like um, the army would not let them use their equipment for this movie mm. um, because they portrayed the army as trigger happy and unnecessarily escalating the situation and helpless. 
Yeah. And the army was like, absolutely not. We're not, we're not helping you make this. And so the National Guard was like, fine, we'll help you make it. We don't give a shit. <laughs> We've got nothing else going on. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but that, it, it, it's, it's done subtly enough that it doesn't come across as like a fuck you to the armed services. Yeah. But more of a like critique of America's blow shit up and don't worry about the consequences policy of just like, that is not the answer to this problem. And this is what you guys want to do. And that's the point of this movie is you guys have to stop or we're going to blow you up. All of you yeah. fuckers, whole yeah. world. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like the army is like necessarily portrayed in a negative light. They're just portrayed in a realistic light. It's just like, yeah. we have to approach this thing the way we would approach any threat like this is a yeah. threat we don't know what this is you can see there's a lot of hesitance like yeah. they're they're not really wanting to shoot anything they're not wanting to destroy anything but it just kind of gets to that point where it's this alien is evading them so much they're like he's got to be up to something so we gotta mm -hmm. we gotta start doing the root shooting kabootin mm -hmm. whatever yeah, that they, that it's a critique on philosophy, right? The the philosophy that we have is like monkey brain people who smash things. Um, mm -hmm. Is that like, he's like, way to go, dipshits. You just shot this gift I had for you that was going to help you explore the universe. That wasn't a gun, dipshits. Uh, this was a so, nice gift. <laughs> yeah, and you know, there's a very serious tone to this that really separates it from a lot of B-movies. Mm -hmm. uh, it takes itself very seriously. It is not in any way apologetic for telling a movie about spaceships and robots. You know, like it's like, no, we're here to we're here to fucking have a conversation about nuclear war, and this is our vehicle. It's a flying saucer, literally and metaphorically. <laughs> vehicle, I like it. Uh, speaking of vehicles, I wanted to talk about that scene where the spaceship lands. Um, the army driving up to it. I didn't know tanks could go that fast. So yeah. quick, they're doing a tankio drift, they called it. Shit. <laughs> tanks were taking such sharp turns that they're skidding all over the road. It was really cool. Um, Did you bring this up just to say that? <laughs> uh, kind of. And then also the... Um, it's It was super weird. Like The saucer, it's a circle. And yeah. there's a crowd gathered around it. The armories gathered around it. Tanks, guns, all pointed at it. What happens if it starts doing something? You've got a circle of troops and civilians. Have these people never played Crossfire? <laughs> crossfire! Because they're about to get caught. In the... In the... Crossfire! <laughs> Take that, Boomer Demo that tuned in for this episode. That's a 90s kids commercial. Thanks for the game. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, so basically they approach it with severe caution. Uh, an alien steps out. He's wearing a salad spinner on his head. And he's got a weird gift from the back of Hobby Lobby for the U.S. president. Um, we shoot the alien because the one guy who's trigger happy thought it was maybe a weapon. And they escort the alien who we find out is named Klaatu. We escort him to Walter Reed Hospital, where he gets the coolest robes I've ever seen. They have, co yeah. they have a collar. 
it's like it's like i called it dress robes in my (laughs) these ain't knitted by mrs weasley brother that's right molly wobbles didn't make these these cost a couple galleons (laughs) so like what rank what branch of service do these dress robes belong to? Um, uh, space Force, obviously. Gonna space, gonna say Space Force. <laughs> Denny, this is why we work well together. Yup. Uh, yeah, then as soon as you realize the alien is... it's play, He's, of course, played by a human. It's 1951. Yeah. He's played by a human, um, speaks English. He learned English from listening to um, Intercepted earth radio transmissions he's listened to the radio he knows how things are going here um then he starts introducing us to the themes of the movie mm-hmm. basically and it's kind of what you were talking about um the planet earth is too engaged with nuclear warfare we're going to destroy not only ourselves but planets around us and other planets have a problem with that like hey don't destroy us and other planets we're other planets yeah if you don't cut this out we're just gonna blow you up and move on with our lives figure it out fuckers figure it out you'll be terminated fuckers (laughs) which i watched this movie and i was like even if this happened no one would fucking listen Absolutely. This would not work. No one would give a shit. (laughs) Like, if an alien Deus Ex Machina society was like, hey, listen, either the world blows up or you achieve world peace, let me know your decision. Um, we would get blown up. Like, we would would absolutely not heed the warning. Hey, we couldn't have, we couldn't figure out how to do world peace. We disagreed on that too much, and we wound up shooting each other more. Yeah. So we welcome your laser storm. Uh, <laughs> Isn't this kind of on you? Because mm-hmm. you're the one who gave this ultimatum. <laughs> Came in peace, though, man. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. Sort of. Tired of all that gaslighting. He really wanted to make us nuclear war each other again. Yeah. You could tell that's what they were into. Yeah. No, I, I liked the decision to uh, to have a human, just have him be humanoid. Um, it's not as razzle dazzle, but I've watched. Razzle uh, wazzle. Yeah, I've I've watched uh, lesser fifty sci fi's, and let me tell you, the aliens looked like fucking shit. <laughs> like if they made like, I just don't think this movie would have worked with a little green man or like a big giant paper mache head alien and a huge like a massive like basically the second and third act of the movie relied on him disappearing into the crowd so he needed he needed to be human for the story as well i I thought that was a smart move it's like if they were trying to smuggle et around town just throw a blanket over him it's like a a little green guy with like 50s level rubber arms flailing around like oh is that your son he sure is. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, it, it wouldn't have worked at all. So I'm glad no, he well, was a uh, well-spoken adult man. Yeah. Well, I even I had a moment when I was like, "How's he gonna get away with this? Everyone's gonna know what he looks like." And then I was like, "Oh, they're listening to the radio to hear about this. <laughs> no one knows what he looks like." <laughs> Dude, different that's, times man that's the problem with this movie getting remade and again i haven't seen the remake so i don't know how they got around that but yeah like 
we don't know what the alien looks like. He's like intentionally blending in with society. Yeah. Because he just looks like a person. He's just like, oh, my name's Carpenter. And they're like, okay, sure. Here's a room Gee, you can Mr. rent. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a little boy for you to te- to learn things from. Yo, that little boy relationship, uh, don't take that out of context. Um, uh, let's, let's not say it that way, but yeah, go ahead. When, when, when they were on their side quest, it was a solid pitch for a well-adjusted Rick and Morty, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> it was just an alternate universe, man. I also wanted the movie to take a complete tonal shift when he asked the boy, like, Who's the greatest man in the world? I want to meet with them. I really wanted the boy to be like, uh, Groucho Marx. <laughs> I was I was eagerly waiting to see what he would say. He, he does say the name of a fictional character, but I was like I was like scrambling to think, like, who who is he gonna say? Like yeah. I don't think he's gonna say Superman. Cause he knows that's fake. What's he gonna talk about? <laughs> Yeah, I was expecting Babe Ruth. Um, oh. And then I was like, but there's a funnier option. I wonder if Groucho Marx was alive in this time period. And then I looked it up and I was like, I'm saying this on the air. <laughs> because that, it just like put such a funny like premise of what could have been and what a 10-year-old would have actually said. Like, if you asked yeah. me at that age, who's the greatest man in the world? I would have been like, hands down. Steve Austin! Oh, no, I, I would have been like, you want to talk to Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is your guy. I, I would have moved right past Steve Austin. He has a busy schedule. <laughs> uh, Steve Austin's probably busy, but Weird Al. We got to get you to Weird Al stat. <laughs> Dude, which which Marx brother is the one that whistled? Is that I don't know. I don't the, know the Marx The mute brother. one? Uh, Carl. No, no. Oh, he wrote. He wrote. He's the Marx brother who wrote. He's the yeah. He was the writer of the brothers. Yes. Right. This is Zeppo, Harpo, Groucho, and Carl. <laughs> you, you, maybe if he'd had a, a funnier name, he wouldn't have uh, written a manifesto. It would have been driven. Manifesto Marx. That was his name. That was his name. That's what it was. Uh. <laughs> Dude, speaking, my favorite Marx brother. My favorite Marx brother, Manifesto Minds. <laughs> Anton, you went down? Uh, speaking of 50s, man, uh, do you remember the scene where, like... So Carpenter, the alien in disguise, he's kind of showed his hand a little bit. He's had his uh, day out with the young boy, Bobby. Billy? Bobby? Whatever. I think it's Bobby. I think it's Bobby. Uh-huh. I, I wrote it down. Somewhere. Now, Bobby, we learned a lot about Abraham Lincoln. Uh, <laughs> there he is. There he is. Yeah, uh, it is Bobby. Yeah, Bobby has a conversation with him and then has a conversation with his mom, and it's bedtime. It's like, all right, well, go to bed. Don't forget to brush your teeth. And, like, everyone goes to bed, and this kid, like, and he's like, all right, good night, everybody. And then he reaches under the bed, and I'm just like, is he about to pull out some comic books and like a flashlight and do like the fifties thing where you like get under the covers and read your Superman comics when you're supposed to be asleep? Mm-hmm. This kid pulls out a whole ass train set. It was awesome. Did you see that awesome. coming at all? <laughs> no, it completely caught me off guard. <laughs> it 
was so cool too. I was jealous of his cool ass train set. It was legit. Yeah. What, what's funny is it made a lot of noise. <laughs> it's yeah. bigger than him and it's loud as shit. Yeah. It barely fits under his bed. I'm just like, yeah. Maybe this is just what kids had in the 50s. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, his mom went out on a date, you know, so he could he could afford some noise. But uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Boomer Boomer men love trains. I grew up with a lot of model trains in my house from my dad, and I uh, I empathize with the kid because model trains uh, they, they rule. They're cool as hell. Regular trains are cool as hell, man. My yeah, grandpa dude. worked on the railroad for his whole life. Really? I heard he worked on it all the live long day. I don't understand how I have not quit this podcast yet. <laughs> Greg, you do it just to pass the time away. Come on, man. No, that's, that's, not, that's not it. Um, <laughs> moving right along here. What did you think of uh, this story giving ideas to ben affleck and matt damon with the uh goodwill hunting solve the equation on the chalkboard thing <laughs> how about them clatus do you like diamonds <laughs> how do you like them diamonds <laughs> i thought there was definitely gonna be a uh it's not your fault clatu that i forgot about that you were referencing <laughs> it's not your fault clatu I played with my train set. Because fuck him, that's why. <laughs> that, do you remember the time some random ass kid named Bobby almost fucked up world peace for everybody? Just because he wanted his buddy to, like, be a good guy? <laughs> he almost fucking blew it. Well, he helped him break into a guy's house. That was pretty cool. Though. That was pretty dope. And the guy was fine with it. This is that... No, go, go ahead. ahead, go ahead. Do you think the professor was supposed to be Einstein? That's, like, kind of mm. the vibe I got. Like, it was coming down to it where I was just, like, I don't know who he's going to say. He, I was thinking, like, was, like, Einstein was alive. Would he have been, like, where was he at this point? Like, what was going on there? And then he said, like, some other random professor's name. I was like, did he help on the Manhattan Project? Like, oh, it's fictional. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, I think it was... But, like, American Einstein, you know? Yeah. It was... It was a choice. But, like, I guess that's the kind of character that Klaatu was looking for. It's, like... it. Who's the famous American smart guy that... It, or not American, lived in America at the time. Um, didn't he? Do I know my Einstein? I've never met him. Me neither. Um... But I feel like, yeah, if you asked, like, a 10-year-old who's the smartest man in the world, Einstein's who they would have said. So I felt like mm -hmm. this was supposed to be, like, a, a, a nod. Yeah, I think um, so. I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, this, yeah, what I was going to say is this is, like, it's an interesting movie you can look at, and you could just watch it and be um, just just through the lens of, man, the 50s were weird. Mm -hmm. but you could also like completely take it seriously as like yeah. its own sci-fi story mm -hmm. and i was i felt like i was able to kind of do both where like yeah. the overtly 50s shit's happening and i'm just like ha what a weird time and then like the cool sci-fi concepts are coming up i'm like damn this is actually pretty uh cool and interesting 
it I, made uh, it made for a fun watch. I agree a hundred percent, man. Like I, I thought that their patience and like steady build really paid off in the third act when they just really started going full sci-fi. You know, mm-hmm. like they they brought in, dude. I I could this high key lighting in a dark setting. I could watch it forever, man. Mm-hmm. Especially those like city street sets or like when the robot is uh, high key lit in a dark setting. Yeah. Um, and they just do so much awesome stuff in the third act and as like a nostalgia film buff guy i thought it was really dope and i can't imagine how cool that was in a pre star wars world you know like being in the theater in the 50s because you got you also got to remember that like moving pictures were still pretty new to these people you know like they they certainly weren't even seeing them all the time every day it was this was kind of mind-blowing yeah yeah, it was just—it was really cool. I thought they did a really, really good job, especially in the third act when it's like, "Hey, if you're tired of like a dialogue-driven, philosophical, moral message film, well, guess what? We're gonna do some alien fights for you." <laughs> they just really, really delivered on those. I thought. Yeah. Damn. Uh, where do we go from here? I could. Uh... I could jump into gimmicks, I suppose. Do you have anything else? Uh, just um, a, a couple things. I thought it was weird that Klaatu mentioned, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, like, well, I forget what the context was, but he mentions the Holy Spirit and his part in, like, humanity on Earth. It's just like, even aliens believe in the Holy Trinity. I, thought I, that was... I think he said, like, the Great Spirit or something like that. He it, says... It... Oh, God. He doesn't say the Great Spirit. He doesn't say the Holy Spirit either. He says... Is it the Higher Spirit or something? He said... Uh, it's something else. I can't think of it, though. But, yeah, he, it's 100% he's talking about, like, the Holy Spirit. Oh, they the didn't church, want to make like, him a bunch of godless monsters. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like, well, he is... He is a white man alien. <laughs> um, I just saw that as being, like it's the 50s they want to avoid controversy they kind of have to like what if the alien was also a christian oh that's nice (laughs) thank Um, you shirley bennett (laughs) there there was a there was a line uh the alien disguises himself as carpenter and gets like a room in a Mm -hmm. house with a few other people and they're all huddled around and gossiping about the spaceman and one of the ladies says um if you want they're like is he really from space and one of the ladies says if you want my opinion he comes from right here on earth and you know where i mean and i don't know where (laughs) she means means. i don't know what she's talking about (laughs) i was like russia they mentioned moscow later I, I I had zero clue like, what I've she was no, talking I, about. Something's lost in cultural translation there. I, I don't know what she means either. And it's just like, man, what are they going to... In 60 years, what are people going to... Th- 70 years, actually, after yeah. the fact. What are people going to think of our movies? It's just like, my country doesn't exist anymore. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> uh. Um... Yeah, I, 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 think, I think that's all I really had on it. I thought this was... And it, this is the first one I watched, so mm-hmm. this really got me in the mood for the other two, and I feel like it set the stage really well. Nice. This was the last one I watched, um, and it really 
as much as I love all the movies that we watched, I kind of regretted picking this theme because I was just like, whatever it is this week, I'm just really not in the mood for like older, you know, like I just want something a little more immersive. Uh, and this one, I was like, nah, this is this is great. This is really really great. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, man. Um, Greg, what is our gimmick of the week this week? G -g -g gimmick of the week. Um, all there's a common thread here, as with a lot of these older sci-fi movies, there is a f moral message in all of these. Um, uh, Danny and I kind of landed on finding our favorite foreboding moral message that still applies to this day um, in each of these three movies. Um, this one deals a lot with, you know, like we were saying, world peace and realistically can we get all the world's leaders to agree on world peace for the survival of humanity itself maybe not uh denny what was your favorite foreboding moral message in this movie it's that the solution to world peace is robots that beat the fuck out of anyone who's getting out of line that's the way you solve the problem you just need a bunch of robots everywhere and if anyone's getting a little too aggro the robots will just beat the fucking shit out of them and it stops it yeah that's that's the lore of the story is just like our civilizations have gotten so advanced we built these robots to have complete dominion over us and you're like wait what the fuck yeah that really like uh he was given this awesome speech i was just like hey wait hold up a second man. Whoa, 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 whoa. we can't turn them off we can't control them they will beat the donkey shit out of us whether we like it or not but because we made them cops they're the good guys and we're like oh i see why there are only four black people in this movie and they didn't have lines that's the understanding we have in the filmmaking process here. Um. It was a nice sentiment, uh, but I was like, didn't you guys just do a fascism and call it awesome? Uh, yeah, but it, we made the fascism. It's cool. It rules, man. We These love robots it. are wider than us. We love it. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Um I, I I got through all of my gimmicks for all three of these movies. I was like, I think Danny's going to take it a little bit more seriously than me. Because mine is, if uh, we've learned in an early episode of this show too, if there's any risk of alien invasion, get the hell away from Washington, D.C. Yes. Independence Day. Yes. Day the Earth stood still. Just, just get out of there. It's not mm -hmm. worth it. That's where they're going. <laughs> you should leave. <laughs> I'll, I'll have you know that I took none of these gimmicks seriously, so I think we're going to have some fun. God, we're always on the same page. We really are, man. <sighs> um, what's your favorite line, Greg? Uh, my favorite line, uh, it was a little more serious. It was uh, Klaatu talking with, I think he was like the Secretary of State. I don't remember what the guy's position was. Some aide to, the, he's part of the president's cabinet uh, when Klaatu is still in the hospital, and he says... Klaatu says, I'm impatient with stupidity. My people have learned to live without it. And the secretary says, I'm afraid my people haven't. Talking, yeah. of course, about humans Us. at large. <laughs> Us. Me and you. Especially you. I thought, I, thought nice. it, I thought it was great. It really fit with the theme of the conflict that Klaatu was going to encounter the rest yeah. of the film. Now, this movie had a, a lot of great lines in it. A lot of really fun ones. Um, my runner-up is when... Uh, 
Klaatu revealed to the doctor that he had like a serum that cures bullet wounds. The doctor said, I don't know whether to just get drunk or give up the practice of medicine, which oh. I thought was hilarious. Um, that was so good. <laughs> I remember that one. My runner up. Uh, my number one, though, was people my foot. They're Democrats. <laughs> I uh. live in Texas and uh heard that a lot um greg what's your critic score uh i gave this one a 33 out of 40 this is kind of on the higher side for the standard movie um yeah i liked it better than i thought i would you know it's just like this maybe i'm just getting older man it's like this perception of old black and white movies that i had maybe when i was younger it's just like ah they're all old they're all irrelevant like this i i feel like this was I can see the quality of a lot of this a lot better. Um, all the characters were great. The acting was great. Like you were talking about, the sets were pretty fantastic. It it's a good movie. I it's a good story. Um, as much as I want to poke fun and laugh at the fiftiesness of it all, I I think it's a really strong film. So I give it a thirty three out of forty, which is a little over an eight out of ten. What Very about you? Nice. Yeah, I, I honestly have a similar journey when it comes to old movies. Um, I love them now. Um, my, my parents didn't make me watch It's a Wonderful Life until I was 17, and I'm forever grateful for it because I know so many people who, like, hate these old movies because they were, like, forced to watch them when they were, like, eight, and they were like, this is fucking boring. And I wasn't really introduced into these until I was an adult for the most part. And, yeah, I actually bumped this up. I had it at a 39 out of 50. Mm-hmm. And I bumped it up to a 45 out of 50. Oh, 45. I, wow. 45, man. Uh, I I think when I saw it, I hadn't seen as many of its contemporaries. And so I kind of tapered it. I was like, I really liked that, but I don't have... Because like the only way I can really rank movies is by comparing them to other movies. Because there's no objective criteria. And so I didn't really have a lot to, to compare it to, I don't think. And uh, this time I was like, no, this is like all-time sci-fi movie must-see checklist Mm -hmm. um i you just couldn't say you're a sci-fi buff without seeing this movie and i thought that it was uh really ahead of its time in its willingness to like criticize american norms while making a movie for an american audience this was uh we just as far as our perception went swooped in and saved the day for world war ii and we're just the greatest goddamn country in the world and uh this was a this was a like hey check yourself before you wreck yourself type of movie for america and uh i think it did so lovingly but sternly and i really respect it for that and as far as its writing themes performances cinematography lighting and effects go i think they were really good and i always say like i don't i don't give credit for it was good for its time because i'm like Frankenstein came out in 1931 and it fucking looks amazing. There's nothing that looks cheap or stupid in that movie. Um, and this movie, I thought yeah, the robot was a little bulky, but I, I didn't see them attempt an effect they couldn't pull off. That's that's my big thing is I'm like, if you can't nail it, don't do it. Yeah. Find, find something else. And this never this never went there. So I gave it a 45. Yeah, a uh, forty-five. Despite a kid literally going extra, extra, read all about it. <laughs> I Might have bumped it were, up a little. I thought that was a stereotype. <laughs> no, no, no. They were, 
there was a whole class of paper boys in the world shouting <laughs> extra. <laughs> Girls, you know you better watch out. Some guys, they only care about that thing, that thing from another world. That thing, that thing from another world. Sorry, I just got lost in the rhythm and lost track of the seamless edit. <laughs> we're back, baby. If you haven't guessed by now, we're here to talk about the thing again. From another but, world. But differently this time. We've discussed John Carpenter's The Thing, and holy shit, what a great movie. But what inspired it, Denny? This is 1950s The Thing, my own parentheses, from another world. Mm -hmm. This movie is the source of inspiration for John Carpenter's film. It is also referenced in John Carpenter's Halloween, as we discussed very recently. Denny, summarize The Thing from another world for us. The Thing from another world, um, basically we got this news reporter guy who's just looking for a story and fucking strikes jackpot when he goes to the North Pole and nothing interesting is happening. Um, There's no Santa up here. <laughs> um, basically this uh, military scientific community, they were military, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they discover a frozen alien ship. And that alien, boy, is he unhappy when they thaw him out. Um, and he just starts killing people. And there's a love story. And it's been about a week since I watched it. And I watch a lot of movies. Do they uh -oh. kill the alien Greg? I watched this today. Okay, good. I should have summarized this. There we go. Why don't, why don't you take a pass at it? I was really reaching. Nah, you really nailed it. Uh, there's a flying saucer crash landed on the North Pole. There's a there's a media guy who wants to break a story. There's a bunch of scientists. The military's up there. They haul a um, pilot piloting this flying saucer out of the ice. Leave him in the ice block. Accidentally thaw him out. He starts attacking people. He loses an arm to the dogs. They discover that he's mostly plant material, which is interesting. We discovered that evolution on other planets maybe evolves plants into sentient and intelligent beings rather than uh, mammal life into the most intelligent beings. So we're dealing with a plant alien monster that has crash landed here and sees humans as nothing more than carriers of blood, which is what he feeds on mm -hmm. and uses to multiply. Which would be weird for a bloodless planet <clears throat> of plant people. He's a, he's a blood plant. It's cool. All right. Now, if you've seen John Carpenter's The Thing, which I hope you have, um, you can see a lot of the inspiration um, in terms of setting. Well, they're literally the opposite setting. This is at the North Pole. John Carpenter's at the South Pole. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same environment, completely opposite ends of the Earth, literally. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. But we've got a frozen, uh, just a frozen dry wasteland with only a base, uh, no clear communications in or out. This alien is causing an interruption in um, the radio frequencies. Oh, man, it's just, this is an interesting one. This is, you know, it came out the same year as The Day the Earth Stood Still. Mm -hmm. 
and it is literally just another flying saucer comes to earth and an alien interacts with people but it is the complete other side of a way to tell that story yeah and where it's it is a highly intelligent being but it's not here to be friends it is humanoid but it's not human but it's not here to be our friends or make demands it is here to harvest us yeah um very very interesting completely different um uh, moral ideology moral themes behind this uh what what so i guess you haven't seen this before have you denny no this is my first time yeah same here um <clears throat> i've seen uh john carpenter's the thing a couple times i've seen the prequel that came out in 2011 i think once and then this is my first time seeing this one because we we basically had to um we didn't really get a suggestion of kind of what we were in the mood for i guess but thanks for trying dylan Dairyberry. thank you dylan you're the only one who tried <laughs> um but our 90s kids episode fucking blew up that should tell you our target demographic <laughs> Only ninety, only fifties kids will understand this episode. <laughs> Dad, what'd you think? Uh, <laughs> Speaking of which, only fifties kids will understand. I'm gonna backtrack to our last movie and say, <laughs> I really wish that, like, right before what is it, Klaatu? Yeah, got back on his flying saucer. He said, "Oh, and by the way." Let black people go to school with you. There's going to be trouble. <laughs> solve some Incredible. more problems. <laughs> like, what? Listen up, Why? You white pigs. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Only 50s kids will understand. Oh, my God. <sighs> anyway. What a movie, can of worms. <laughs> this movie was, uh, it had some dope title cards. Would you not agree? uh no absolutely uh that's something i wanted to bring up actually this it shares you know like i was saying like kind of the setting and aesthetic of john carpenter's the thing it also shares a um identical uh method of creating the opening title where the yeah. thing kind of comes into frame do you know how they did that no do you i do um there was a like a slide or a tile behind a fishbowl that they fill with smoke cool. and they backlight it and so it's just like a slide that says the thing backlit behind a fishbowl filled with smoke and then they cover it they cover the fishbowl with a trash bag and they light it on fire and the text melting into your view is literally a trash bag melting away because it's on fire and then like the smoke is like smoke that's already in like a fishbowl and they did it in this movie and that's what they did for the uh john carpenter film as well analog media is so much cooler how like... cool is that <laughs> they didn't just like press a button on final cut and do that <laughs> that's yeah. amazing that's so fucking cool man that's awesome that's creative it's brilliant exactly. it, it's so cool it's like it's the most hardcore thing one of the most hardcore things about this movie i thought this movie was going pretty soft like it's the 50s you can't be super violent 
But man, this movie gets kind of violent. <laughs> yeah. Once it doesn't get again like how can you not just bring up the john carpenter movie the whole time it's yeah that's that's peak um gore prosthetics um creativity the best yeah yeah it's the pinnacle and this movie it laid a good foundation is what i'll say no it was it was jarring when they get to some of those like flaming laboratory violent alien scenes like it was jarring it was really good, man. They, they did a great job with that contrast from such a, like, relatively calm movie. I mean, you say it's a calm movie. It is It is calm in this in the setting. Mm-hmm. Um, these, these people are isolated. Um, it is a group of men and women. Uh, we've got scientists. We've got the military. We've got a whole diverse group of people here at the North mm-hmm. Pole. Um, they are isolated it seems kind of peaceful everyone's kind of friendly with each other but like the way this is paced is very different i'll compare it instead of to the john carpenter one i'll kind of compare it to uh the day the earth stood still it's a little more fair it's a little more fair it's faster paced like people are constantly talking over each other the character like the script is just going breakneck speed. Like, I have closed caption on, and it, like, skips some people's lines because they're saying it at the same time as other people. Like, we've got... That's kind of, like, the point of the movie, right? Is, like, you've got this member of the press that wants to get the story out. There's the military group uh, with their commander who's kind of in charge of the base and all his cohorts that all have kind of their own ideas. And then there's this group of scientists that all have their own ideas and even their own ideas within their group. And all three of those groups are in the same scene, discussing things with each other, correcting each other, speaking over each other. It's like mile a minute line delivery. It's really interesting pacing, but it never feels like muddied up or like you're really lost while all this is going on. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting and it's really different from you know, Day of the Earth is still where it's just like one person delivering a speech and talking about why this thing is important. Yep. It's very, very different. Very, very real. much. So. Um, all, one thing I like is how sarcastic all the people are in yeah. this movie. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of these characters are super sarcastic. It's pretty refreshing, like, how human they are. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, most of my favorite lines were people just like making biting shithead sarcastic comments at each other it wasn't quite night screams level but uh yeah a a lot of really great sarcasm for sure and i like it because they make the sarcastic remarks and like everybody kind of like smirks and laughs about it it's not people being assholes to each other they're being sarcastic and everyone's kind of laughing as a group yeah that's fun yeah to me at least no i i totally agree um you know Dude, how many times did they say Geiger counter in this movie? Uh, about as many. I'll get to that later. Never mind. Um, too many. I don't think there was a five-minute stretch without it. We didn't have a Geiger counter counter, so I'm not sure. <laughs> I thought about it, but I was like, I'm going to lose track. This is just going to annoy me more if I count it. Yeah, you missed the opening credits where Steven Geiger produced the movie. <laughs> 
don't know who that is. You've probably heard of my father, Geiger Counter. <laughs> Inventor of the Geiger Counter. <laughs> that was his first name? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. His father, Bean Counter. <laughs> and mother, Sheep Counter. She slept a lot. <laughs> enrolled him in the study of Geigers. What the fuck is a Geiger? <laughs> I don't know, but I can tell you there's about 1.8 of them, and they're coming through the doorway. <laughs> <laughs> While we're on the lols, um, did you notice that when they're standing on, like, the frozen spaceship, they're standing on a giant ice penis? No. <laughs> well, they are. I wish I, I, wish I did. <laughs> it's a very phallic alien <laughs> frozen lake. <laughs> I just like when they're, like, because I guess I was, like, kind of zoned out for half a second i didn't know what they were doing they were like measuring what they saw like if you look straight down i guess they could see see the ship and they're like trying to get the shape of the ship and they all just like back up with their arms outstretched and they're all making a circle i'm like what kind of weird ass (laughs) seance thing is this and they're like oh we're making a circle guys isn't this fun i wasn't really zoned out and i didn't really understand what the fuck they were doing at that point either man I thought it was adorable, honestly. <laughs> it was cute. It was cute. They were this probably uh, measuring so the Geigers of the situation before manually. they proceeded. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have a counter, so they had to manually count the Geigers. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they did it back then, if they didn't have the machine handy. I uh, There was a really cool scene where they're like contrasting the tone with some like really cool old school jazz while they're like worried about the fate of the world from this alien and then it just suddenly leads to 50s bdsm play it really caught me off guard (laughs) did you have a similar experience oh was it the one where the commander is pretending to have his like hands tied behind his back yeah he's like you can tie me up if you want tie my hands behind my back i won't lay a finger on you and it seems like a cool, like, romantic Humphrey Bogart. And then we cut to this, like, sexy scene where he has his hands tied behind his back. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, shit, this is and going down. He still lays a finger on her butterfinger. Oh, um, that's what she named it? That's gross. Gross. Yeah, that, that scene was weird. Uh, it was one of the ones I think I kind of zoned out for. <laughs> but I still remember it happening. Like, what the, what the hell? Yeah. It wasn't... You know, you expect, like, a movie from the 50s with an, uh, a male hunk character, a leading yeah. character, and then the she's not really a damsel character in this movie. I thought she was she was a good character. She was pretty strong. She yeah. was um, free-thinking, acted like she could vote, you know? <laughs> ahead, I mean, of, ahead of its time, really. Um, hey, I, it had more women in it than John Carpenter's version. This is true, but, you know, di- different reasoning. Yeah, but that number was one, and it was because our hot protagonist needed someone to have a romantic arc with, because we just couldn't have a fucking movie without a romance subplot. We just can't do it ever for any reason. She had some good ideas, though. I liked No, her. she was great. She was she a was great character. Um, An all-timer. Man, but if only he had simped her as hard as the main scientist had simped that alien. Like, he was just going on and on. Like, he was ready He was ready to buy that alien's bathwater. Like, Absolutely. Like, simping hard for the alien. It's like, 
at the beginning or like the first 20 minutes or so we discovered the ship we've harvested the alien out of the ice we've got him in the um storage closet or whatever and we're gonna wait for further orders mm -hmm. this whole time i'm not really against them doing all that the only reason i'm like no don't get the alien out what are you doing is because i've seen the remake i know yeah. it goes badly for them right um <laughs> this is not a good idea guys but everything they're doing makes sense and then like even though excuse me like everyone's got kind of their different ideas on how to handle it everybody seems kind of right like the scientists are like this is such an incredible discovery we have to explore this further and i'm like i'm not against any of their methods until maybe like the last 20 30 minutes or so yeah but like what they're saying makes a lot of sense and it unfortunately all culminates into the head scientist uh, he's like a what a pulitzer prize winner or something uh, he's just yeah, like something. yelling at the alien like i'm trying to save you i'm your friend let's kill all these guys and get out of here and then the monster just like fuck you smack bye <laughs> Yeah, I had a I had a sinking feeling that the annoying wait for orders guy was gonna be right. <laughs> like, it was just, uh, but that's only because I'd seen the the other thing. But um, it was a uh, a really, I the whole time I I just went into this completely blind, and I was like expecting it to be a shape shifting alien because of Carpenter's the thing. And was really yeah. shocked when they were like, it's basically the smartest carrot ever. And they just like, <laughs> kept saying that. And it was such a what the fuck. <laughs> I don't... You, you see the poster and you see a monster on there. I don't think I was expecting like a shape-shifting kind of thing. I was expecting some kind of alien, but I had no idea what. And then I saw it, like, you see it kind of in the ice a little bit. I'm just like, oh, fuck. We're just getting, like, a classic little green man with the big eyes. It's going to yeah. suck. Yeah. But we get kind of... Maybe we get something completely different. I I thought it was... It was okay, but... Well, shape I was... Shapeshifting is way fucking cooler. Totally. I mean, I just... I was amazed that after they made me, like, laugh at this thorough discussion about how this thing is made of vegetables and how cool that is, and they just keep doing all this, like, unintentionally funny veggie talk that they actually made the alien pretty scary. Um, yeah. Like, was... even, like, that jump scare where he's behind the door fucking got me, man. Like, it was it was a quality jump scare, and there's not a lot of those out there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, dude, there were there were just some cool ass shots involving the alien once he thawed out. Just like, man, the flaming laboratory. I, I mentioned it earlier. I was just so taken with that scene. It was so good, man. Yeah, um, and we can get into that. I think that was the mo one of the more remarkable moments of the movie. Yeah, um, oh, without a doubt. Basically, things come to a head. They want to keep this thing alive. Or they think they have it contained, then they kind of lose it, and then they think they have it contained again. And the orders as it stands are, keep it alive until we get there, basically. And it's just like, no, this is kind of trying to kill us. How do we kill it? They find out it's basically plant life. We can't freeze it to death because it survived being frozen. What if we did the opposite and tried to burn it? Um, 
and it's it comes up in this and like that jump scene like you're talking about like they open the door to kind of see what they're dealing with and he the monster knocks open the door super hard he's visible on screen for like a second yeah and then they slam the door and like barricade him in there and it's the only time you get a clear look at him and it's one hour into the movie yeah which i thought was great yeah no they, they waited a long time for the action to really pick up another yeah. uh, another very patient movie they they knew what they had up their sleeve and they made you wait for it and they earned it and that was really great yeah and then this this all kind of culminates into uh the scene that denny's talking about where they figure out well maybe we should it's plant-based right we should try killing it with fire electrocution something what do plants hate what do plants hate foyer i thought you said voyeur and i was like what foyer foyer what are you finding on pornhub these days young man they hate mark Wahlberg. (laughs) i i was thinking about the happening while i watched this i'm glad you brought it up luckily that's not what's happening (laughs) (laughs) no it is not (laughs) Mm. but yeah they it's one of the coolest scenes in any of these three movies honestly because they're kind of thinking on their feet the geiger counter starts going off they're like coming up with a plan as they realize it's escaped and is approaching and they're just like hey wait a minute we should set fuck, it fuck, on fuck, fire fuck, like fuck, fuck, fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck what do we have what do we have all right we got kerosene uh we got a flare gun can you shoot that thing like i'm gonna have to all right i got the kerosene we gotta get it in buckets here's buckets you got buckets all right it's gonna come through this door here you hide behind this yeah. turn out the lights and they just like figure it out and then he enters the door and he stands there for like a couple seconds this almost frankenstein looking kind of monster and it's not just like a yeah exactly it's not like a quick second he's there now shut him behind the door kind of thing like he's there he's in the room and they start throwing kerosene on him shoot him with a flare gun light him on fire and then continually just throw kerosene on there just to keep him lit keep him on fire Mm -hmm. and the monster jumps out the window runs away into the snowy night and it's one of the most chaotic and intense and engaging scenes that I've seen in a movie like this old. Oh, without a doubt. Like, it it reminded me of modern action, and it reminded me of Frankenstein at the same time. Was, <laughs> oh, yeah. It was really cool. Fire and all, man. It was uh, just a badass scene, and it made me think, like, uh, that had to inspire Carpenter to have the characters immediately be like get the flamethrowers which is Mm -hmm. one of my favorite parts of the thing that as soon as there's a conflict uh you know you you get the fucking flamethrowers you don't ask questions you arm yourself and uh, this was another thing where like that's what helped me Mm -hmm. in in carpenters the thing ah another thing Mm -hmm. um was that the protagonist were taking no chances and were like doing smart things and god now i'm self-conscious every time i say the word thing um, but um that was my intention but this was a valiant effort from our protagonist right mm-hmm. like this was up they 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 made smart choices their plan totally worked they did everything they wanted to do and they still failed and i didn't have any better ideas you know like they don't know what they're up against and so that's yeah. 
they they did everything right nobody fucked it up and they're just up against a force that is that is stronger than them they're outmatched and that creates sympathy yeah that's what gets me i think we we've talked about it a couple times it's a just lot. like well, yeah more than a couple times it's like having your characters make all the right decisions and having the evil force or whatever it is like still come out on top not by like breaking the rules or doing something just completely unbelievable but just because that's the nature of this conflict it makes for way more engaging and relatable um i guess you could call it kind of like a horror kind of story you know it's just like you did everything right but this there was just nothing you could have done even in your limited resources, you made the most of it better than I could have done, and even that wasn't enough. But, in this movie, turns out okay. Yeah, everything works out for our Spoilers! <laughs> it's not like the John Carpenter one. <laughs> yeah, Greg, could you remind me of the ending? Because it's actually been an entire week since I watched this, and I actually forgot how it ends. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the scientist that's... The scientist basically comes to the conclusion that um yeah guys we should all die because this is the greatest um thing to happen to this planet this is a such a phenomenon that will increase knowledge that we should just let it kill us so it can be studied further by others mm-hmm. uh and everyone's like fuck you, <laughs> you we want to live <laughs> you fucking simp for the alien exactly like no 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 we want to live even like the the radio the general is on on the horn being like now see here you must keep this alien alive at all costs keep it contained until i arrive weather permitting and they're just like well we don't have that kind of time we gotta fucking kill it and the scientist yeah. says no he disagrees um after our scene with the fire where the uh, vegetable alien Frankenstein runs into the night, he's smart enough to figure out, oh, if I turn off the oil supply, all the heaters in here will shut off and all the people inside will freeze. Mm -hmm. So all the rooms one by one are getting too cold and everyone is figuring out like, okay, this thing's fucking smart. Let's all go to the generator room. So he can't completely cut off the power. He's going to go for the electricity next. If we go to the generator room, we at least have control over that. And then they get the idea, hey, if we all go to the generator room, there's only one hallway that leads to this room. What if we rig the generator to a series of metal fences on the floor and along the walls and on the ceiling to make like an electronic, electric flytrap, basically. Mm -hmm. It leads to a weird scene where, you know, I mentioned people are talking over each other all the time. Yeah. The commander seems pretty smart this whole time. And one of the guys is, like, pitching the idea to him as they're, like, rolling out electric wire. This guy's like, we're going to electrocute him. And the captain's like, what do you mean? The wires, we'll shock him. We'll what? We'll make a flytrap of electricity in this corridor. What do you mean, flytrap? And it's just like, <laughs> say the plan five times, and the commander still doesn't get it, mm-hmm. but they just kind of keep going. So basically, the they're luring him down the hallway to get electrocuted. Um, the 
uh, Professor turns off the generator at the last second and runs up to the alien like, Hey, uh, they're going to kill you. <laughs> Stop it. You'll say, your greatest scientific novel. I'm your friend, the scientist. And back alien, to now. Yeah. A- alien punches him off to the side because he doesn't give a shit about people. Just like the scientist said, he didn't give a shit about people. <laughs> they turn the generator back on. They electrocute him. And he turns into a little pile of vegetable dust. Now I remember. Yes, Humans win. You. I've watched so many movies that my brain has turned to mush, I think. Yeah, uh, I'm sure you were stuck on Dune. <laughs> Dra- dragonfly ships distracted uh, you from the electric Venus fry trap. Oh, Dune. Fry trap. Mm. Oh, shit. A Venus fry trap. Mm, there we go. Let's start a food truck. If you come inside, you'll die. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but only if you're from Venus. Oh, my God. I, I do like... This is a thing in these movies. Is just like... It's totally plausible that this alien probably came from Mars or Venus. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like... Mm, not quite. <laughs> no, we're pretty sure no. <laughs> yeah, that didn't, that didn't last another decade even. <laughs> also, if it landed on Earth, it's kind of a fuck up. So... <laughs> yeah it's got no real reason to be here this is probably like bottom tier of whatever world it's from (sighs) yeah um i thought this was interesting it was actually the opposite of frankenstein i know it gave you similar vibes where they electrocuted the vegetable and that was the solution to kill the monster not bring it to life yes beautiful that's that's a great contrast to my note. Frankenstein-looking motherfucker gets electrocuted. <laughs> you you saw a lot more depth than I did on this one. We're on the same. Yeah, electrocuting <laughs> the vegetable isn't deep. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, Greg, you ready for gimmicks? I think I've said what I need to say about the thing from another world. Yeah, I guess you didn't have a lot of notes, or I guess you just forgot. <laughs> no, I, I had some critiques here and there. Like, I thought... Like, some negatives for a movie that I liked very much was... I thought the characters really blended together, other than the scientist. Like, there just wasn't, yeah. like... Dude, yeah, all the army guys, I'm like, which which one is that? Yeah, they were, they were pretty generic. Um, and I also, like... It annoyed the shit out of me when they kept describing this alien hand while keeping it out of frame. <laughs> like, I was like... Yeah. Just show the fucking hand. Like, and like, stop describing. This isn't a book. Don't describe what's happening to me. <laughs> show me what's happening. This is a movie. Um, those those were kind of my two big negatives. Uh, th- honestly, they're small negatives. It, it was it was a really good movie. Um, Greg, how about those dogs? <sighs> yeah, it's not as upsetting a dog death as the john carpenter is a thing or the art of self-defense oh that's like one of the worst i've ever seen honestly but still still hurts i still had to dock points for a dog death as soon as i saw him i was like these fuckers better live (laughs) there's a chance they still have hope john carpenter took inspiration from something and i think those guys are not gonna all live at the end of this well that was kind of cool going back retroactively and being like so I know John Carpenter has seen this, but I've, I'm pretty sure he changed it. So I don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah. 
However, <laughs> I mean, however, I, you could say like literally the only things in common with this and the John Carpenter remake are that it was cold and there was an alien. There's like nothing else. Like that's pretty much it. I, yeah. I think you could even call John Carpenter is like inspired by this rather than a remake of this. Yeah, I would say the same. Maybe an homage. Like it's it's a very different movie other than they're isolated in an arctic tundra with an alien they don't understand. Everything else is different. Yeah. 100%. Even the aliens way different. Way different. Yep. Still like a strange unknown threat that you can't really think off the top of your head how to how to defeat, but in this one there is a way to defeat it. In the uh in the other one not so much. Well, you have to wait around and see what happens. Fucking awesome. So fucking good. Denny, what is your favorite foreboding moral message for the thing from another world? That vegetarians shall also have their reckoning. <laughs> it's not just the carnivorous monsters of the world. Vegetarians, right. your day is coming. A hundred percent. What about you? Uh, mine is absolutely never throw gas or kerosene on an open flame. <laughs> bad, bad, bad idea. I, I didn't need this movie to teach me that moral message. I'm just saying. I was a pyro in middle school. I learned a so, lot. Some people still need to learn that. True. What is, uh, what's your favorite line? Uh, you, you touched on it a little bit, but mine was the first time it's brought up where the, the, uh, the newspaper guy says sounds like you're describing some sort of super carrot <laughs> and then they, they were just like yes a super yeah exactly carrot. yes yeah 100 percent. think of a better way to describe it guys how about like plant-based super, life form super sweet potato maybe <laughs> you're telling me i could eat this at spirals <laughs> And it would be totally ethical. <laughs> oh, man, it has a face. Uh, Denny, what's your favorite line? Um, much like uh, Carpenter's thing, at least I'm pretty sure this is uh, this is the closing line. I really popped for watch the skies everywhere. Keep looking. Keep watching the skies. Just a yeah. cool note to end a movie on, man. Dude, yeah, that was. I, I think you're you're basically there. Um, if that wasn't it verbatim, then yeah. it's close enough. S sending the audience home with this kind of unease. This could happen yeah. at any moment. That's that's a cool thing for people to walk out of your theater with. Yeah, and it's like it's coming right after like just a a few minutes of just a total sense of triumph. It's just like, well, if one ship landed here, there could be more. So yep. Stand your toes. Yep. This isn't over. That was a cool way to, to wrap it up, I thought. Yeah, yeah. What uh, is what's your... Are you going to say, what is my critic score, Denny? I was going to say, what's your favorite topping for a hot dog? Uh, mustard. Thank you. Are we talking Dijon? Are we talking brown? What are we thinking here? French's. Yellow... Dijon mustard. Be better. No, it's a classic. <laughs> Shut up. I like a little chunky brown mustard personally. I don't, I don't know about that. But we can all agree, what the fuck is the point of sauerkraut? 
uh my dad sure loves it i don't know it dad's is, if it's dad's October weird best. he's come up a lot this episode yeah, seriously greg just call your father <laughs> we're talking a lot about 50 sci-fi and hot dog toppings like my dad's gonna come up <laughs> <laughs> My Critiker score, this one is a 34 out of 40. Ooh, more so, a little bit of a, of a Bumsky from, uh, what did we just cover? Shit. Uh, Day of the Earth Stood Still. That movie that we just talked uh, about for an hour. Yeah, just a slight bump over it. Um, I liked it a great deal. Um, you know, I still had to dock points for dog dying, mm -hmm. but very enjoyable movie. But the remake is extremely better well yeah <laughs> it's just like i i, I want to know like it it's crazy like this this movie i don't know about the names at the time but we get this movie with an i would say like an ensemble cast everyone Without does great doubt. yeah um and then john carpenter is like i'm going to remake this and i'm going to hire a 22 year old um special effects artist to do all this um practical gore effects i'm going to hire the uh screenwriter from bad news bears and the bad news bears sequel and he's not going to write another screenplay outside of this and those and <laughs> this is all news to me i did not know this trivia i'm the good news greg um <laughs> And I'm going to use Kurt Russell, who's not a star yet, and all these people that aren't stars yet. And I'm going to make a movie that people are going to hate. And then, years later, everyone's going to fucking love it. People hated it? Oh, yeah. When it came out, uh, Carpenter's the Thing, it, yeah. they, people hated it. Shit. They hated it. I think it, like, flopped, but not majorly, if I'm not mistaken. But, like, critically people despised it they thought it was just like gore fetish like just absolute sicko stuff you know fuck off losers yeah and then everyone came around <laughs> bunch of fucking like, heads is what they were i think it was like a roger ebert review where he oh, was just like no 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 he he was like he was one of the only positive reviews he's just really? like really yeah he was like like i am terrified by it but it's incredibly fun and enjoyable and i can't quite put my finger on why well shit good for him yeah i'll never Spe forgive him for like virtue signaling friday the 13th so <laughs> that's where my response comes from uh yeah there's a lot of trivia and facts about these two movies what a cool sequence man it's just like yeah man 30 30 plus years later we get a completely different method and we make a better movie one of the only insane reboots that's better than the original ever one of the reboots that's better than the original and also no director's cut for john carpenter's it's just like what was released in theaters it's what we get now it's not like alien or blade runner like that's just it was just that's the movie fuck blade runner but, as well which is cool while we're on it <laughs> i saw it once and it was fine and i should see it again uh the new one really good um i'm watching Denny. it on tuesday what I'm the having, new one i'm having a sci-fi marathon on tuesday 
about me? Well, you can come. Do you want to uh, come? Nah, I gotta work. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Um, it's what's your critic score for the thing from another world? <laughs> Forty out of fifty. Um, Forty out of fifty. Love yeah, it. No, I, I didn't think. Uh, to me, like the day the Earth stood still was kind of a like uh, stop the world and watch it. This is amazing type of thing. This was a very very good timeless movie for me. It was. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think. Um, I don't think your cinema watch list is lacking if you haven't seen it. Is what you know, but it is. It is a very very good movie. Um, especially considering it came out in 1951. I thought the sociological context of The Day the Earth Stood Still pushed it a little higher for me. Um, this was just very much a self-contained, there's really not that deep of a message about anything. Um, and that's something I usually love about the sci-fi genre, is it's like a, a warning from an imagined future um, about something we're doing now, which it's not that you can't extrapolate it from it, but it's not as it's not as poignant in Thing from Another World. But I still really loved it and gave it a forty. I thought it was a great, great movie. Greg, seamless edit, my bitch ass. I'm afraid you've already done that to yourself. Oh my god, did you just M Night Shamalama edit me? I did, and don't you call me Shamalama. <laughs> Well, Anne Francis stars in Forbidden Planet, ladies and gentlemen. Really, Leslie Nielsen stars in it. Richard O'Brien got it wrong. Greg, you're welcome a back, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. Um, yeah, man. Uh, Forbidden Planet. Uh, the only movie that wasn't in ni- 1951 from this episode so far. 1956, a whole yeah. five years later. You know what's different now? Color. Color. We've got color in our movie. Do you know what's blown my mind for a long time? Color? Well, the fact that... Colors? We had... Well, I'm partially colorblind, the so album? colors literally do blow my mind sometimes. It's a good couple of albums, <laughs> I, I but yeah. I see them wrong. Um... I don't know the music reference you just made. Yeah, nobody does. Yeah, you just raised Just eyebrows. Colby. Okay, good for Colby. Is this a <laughs> Mars Volta thing? Nah, it's a Between the Buried and Me thing. Oh, okay, I've never even heard of that, so this is pretty deep cut Colby. <laughs> Who I understand listened to one episode of our podcast. It's a good friend, Colby. It's a good friend right there. there um, no, but um, that like Wizard of Oz came out in the 30s, right? Yeah, I think we, so. We had color for a long time. It was just really expensive, so people usually didn't do it unless they had a massive budget. But, like, it's not like color was innovative. It's just interesting to me, like, how long films stayed the same. You know, like, you had this big mm-hmm. innovation in the 30s, and then it's really not until, like, the mid-60s that color is the norm. Like, literally, like, 30 years after this was, I don't want to say discovered, but implemented successfully in a way that blew everyone's minds. And all these movies still came out in black and white. It's not, like, I feel like I used to think it was a transition of we couldn't do color, and now we can, and everything's in color. And that's not the case. They made a yeah. lot of movies in black and white just because color was so expensive for like 30 years. Dude. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish that still happened where like a new innovative thing works. 
and then not everybody does the same thing because the it's like we talked about dune i think at some point but the sound effect from inception over it we got it yeah we're done thanks we get like it's this new movie it's like guardians of the galaxy (laughs) yeah i'm just like that no, was no, no. cool because it was different, and it's less cool if everything else does it. Even How is this hard for you to grasp? Even its own sequel. Oh, um, dude, do you hate Guardians 2 as well? I'm completely indifferent towards it. Oh, I hate it, and I want to give you a hug. Because Vanessa and I thought we were taking fucking crazy pills when everybody loved Guardians 2. We were like, it was, was it this? It was fine. I wouldn't even give it that. It was I, I was completely indifferent towards it. That's the thing. It's just like, it's either trying to be Guardians of the Galaxy or it's trying to be the Dark Knight. It's just like, what if <laughs> superheroes <laughs> were super serious? It's the like, only two genres now. <laughs> those are the two. <laughs> it's just that so, and Oscar bait. We sound like a conservative podcast. Don't. There's only out. two genres. God damn it. I didn't get the reference. God made two genres. God made Guardians two... of the Galaxy and the Dark Knight. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy wears pink. The Dark Knight wears blue. The Dark Knight wears black and sometimes very dark gray. <laughs> Thanks, Will Arnett. That's a deep cut. Hell yeah. All right. God made... God made James Gunn and Christopher Nolan, not Adam and Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what movie are we supposed to cover right now? Interstellar. Oh. Uh, Oh, shit. I haven't watched that in forever, and I love it. I'm hot now. I'm second. I'm second. Are you guessing. warm from I'm second, laughing? I'm second guessing my pick for next week, but I'm gonna I'm, stick I'm, with it. I'm warm from whiskey and laughter. Um, yeah, I've I've got Interstellar. Uh, we got a 4K player, oh, uh, Blu-ray player. We only have like a few 4K discs, and Interstellar is one of them. So, come on over if you want. I I want barely audible dialogue and extremely loud music. I was your ghost, Mary. That's how it goes, Murph. We started worrying about our place in the dirt. We forgot about our place. Yeah, we started stars. magnetizing the dirt, Murph. Oh, I waited was... 26 years. We're going corn in the mud. You ever seen the movie I was in called Mud? <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4, Murph. If you don't think generation. I... If you don't think I was... Your ghost, you can sue me. I know a pretty good Lincoln lawyer. <laughs> what the fuck are we doing? How does this have anything to do with Forbidden Planet? <laughs> and Francis stars in Forbidden Planet, Craig. Ah, featuring Leslie Nielsen. In a serious role, which I will never get used to. Yeah, it. I had to remind myself several times. All right, uh, Denny... We've bullshitted around for like 15 minutes. Uh, Can you summarize the plot of Forbidden Planet, please? Absolutely. Leslie Nielsen and his band of uh, military explorers um, 
land on there's a lot of military in these <laughs> they land on they're the heroes they're the heroes the heroes that's right the hero that's another rocky horror reference for those of you uninitiated yeah um, I, I, I picked that one up pretty easy <laughs> thank you sly <laughs> don't, don't don't call me surly <laughs> glad you could join us sly <laughs> hey another pop <laughs> Ooh, whoa <laughs> Know, when I first saw Forbidden Planet, <laughs> I didn't peg it for the type of movie with a Robbie the Robot, <laughs> but Robbie the Robot was full it, of surprises. Is there Robbie or Mother Rocky, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's right, you are Rocky, and his name is Robbie. And Shawshank has a way of bringing Robbies and Rockies together. Boy, does it. <laughs> So, so is that infringement, brother? Is that the is that the plot of Forbidden Planet? Unfortunately, it is. No, <laughs> a robot and Rocky. Guys, wasn't that wasn't that in Rocky Four? Doesn't he have four or five or whatever? I don't fucking like he... know. I just saw the first Rocky for this podcast two weeks ago. I feel like I remember a YouTube video talking about it, but that's it. God, if there's a fucking robot in Rocky Four, I'm gonna stick around. What? Let's just skip the other ones and watch one of the later sequels. Well, Hogan's in two or three. I've got to see Hulk Hogan as Thunderlips. Oh, I thought you were talking about Hogan's as in Hogan's Heroes. Yeah, I, I, I hate Hulk Hogan, but his role in Rocky did uh, start a new era in pro wrestling. And for that reason, I res- I wouldn't say I respect it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's historically significant. Um, okay centering guys full disclosure deep breath this is the first time in the history of movies for when that we have missed an episode release date and greg and i had some really rough weeks respectively and Mm -hmm. we are just unwinding on a friday night recording this podcast and that's why you're getting the strange content you're getting just so you know uh denny had a very intense week regarding personal finances and uh job issues workplace related stress and i was worried about pokemon so (laughs) trust me there's a lot more to it than that but i won't go any further greg's Um, gotta catch them all (laughs) he really does um catch them all uh 22 episodes and we're gonna have a late release for once look at us we deserve it for an amateur podcast we're a couple of fucking pros dude yeah when are we gonna fucking monetize this shit i want to like look into the bleeding jaws of capitalism and say pay me money where's to my pretend i love slice. your products yeah where's my slice <laughs> we do all this work for fun for fucking fun this is for fun <laughs> this is like the coolest thing i do with my life other than be a good husband <laughs> like <laughs> fuck pay me for it (laughs) um nah i'm having a great time so what's the plot of forbidden planet (laughs) okay ash ketchum is in through the nose out through the mouth (sighs) a therapist is stressed about the cost of his health insurance premium oh wait um and that drives of, him to space band, he's so pissed he says i don't want to be in this world anymore he goes to space oh he's pissed um no leslie nielsen with brown hair unlike his trademark white hair 
is going um, to other planets to explore them. He lands on one, and it seems pretty chill. Oxygen risk atmosphere, or oxygen rich ax oxygen rich atmosphere. Ding ding ding. There, there we, we go. go. And uh, there's only one life form on the planet, and he's like, "For the love of God, do not come to this planet. You do not want to go to this planet." And they're like, "Nah, we're pretty sure we want to go to this planet." <laughs> He greets them with an affable robot who takes them to his nice little 1950s condo that he hangs out in. <laughs> um, very, uh, very House of the Future from the original Tomorrowland. Um, yeah, that's right, mm. Disney Park. That's, that's right. Um, and he's like, I'm really smart. There used to be a race of even smarter aliens on this planet. But they're all gone, and uh, everyone that I came here with was eaten by a monster, except for my smoking hot daughter. And she's <laughs> ripe for romance, um, and she doesn't know anything. And then they're like, God, I wish I was as smart as you, and my brain size is a metaphor for my penis. And um, there's a lot of insecurity and a lot of people fucking around and tigers and albino deer just running all over the place and then uh one day they're like fuck an invisible threat keeps fucking with our shit on our ship uh, what 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 do you do then and <laughs> they go back to the smart guy <laughs> they go back to the smart guy mm-hmm. and they uh they find out that uh these are the psychogenic monsters of the id that have overruled the planet and there's something inescapable about our fears that manifest themselves and uh i don't know is that a good is that a good summary no but you, it'll you do. don't have to say it was we got i i literally didn't um <laughs> at least we got a summary i did my best it wasn't much but I guess your best wasn't good enough. Um, yeah, um, this is completely different than the other two movies. The other two movies were a what-if alien on Earth, even though they were two completely different sides of that kind of genre spectrum. Uh, they were still basically just alien comes to Earth, how do humans react based on the context and the threat level. This is years into the future this is before star trek baby um right i think so yes no idea but probably despite definitely very, very star trek-esque i'll ask my dad uh <laughs> or <laughs> we gotta, google we gotta have him as a guest <laughs> we'll use him to talk about um old westerns and 2001 a space odyssey perfect i love him um but yeah th th this is um a movie about the future we're a couple hundred years ahead of modern times at the time we are just humans out in space out to explore it's kind of like a branch of the military i guess uh there's protocols and rules it's very star trekky where it's just like we're just kind of going to see what's out there humans have discovered um how to travel at like a warp speed and how to travel at light speed or even faster so we're just 
checking out new planets, seeing what's out there. Um, and this movie is, I think it's kind of interesting. Like with that kind of premise, you would think it would just be like, you know, maybe a lighthearted adventure or something a whole lot less serious. But this is a really deep, deep dive mm-hmm. on just... They, they spend three minutes establishing the world this is in, and then the rest of the movie just deep diving one instance of one planet that one ship happens to discover, Yeah, basically. I think it's really cool that they structured it this way. Thank you for rescuing my synopsis. I'm a little bit uh, delirious at this point in the night. <laughs> I am... Uh, I am... <laughs> Like I said, Pokemon has drained my brain. Um, most of my work involved making sure that launch went well. And I'm full of whiskey, and I'm talking, and I'm coming up with the words that I say as I say them. I'm glad it's making sense. <laughs> yeah. No, but this movie is, like, visually beautiful, man. Like, it's a, it's a gorgeous movie. Yeah, and like I said, it's not just because it's in color and the other two were in black and white. Like, this is cool. The miniatures are great. The sets are fantastic. Like, the backdrops that I'm sure are just, like, painted sets are incredible. Mm -hmm. Space looks awesome. The ship, the interiors, all the exteriors, everything looks cool. Yep. Nice and colorful but like a really unified theme and tone and just like aesthetic color palette. Like it all looks fantastic. I love it. Dude. And how about that score of just like no music, only sci-fi noises? Well, I thought it was a little distracting sometimes. Oh really? I loved it. I I was doing it. I was doing it in the intro where it was just like a little. It's like, maybe that got a little distracting from time to time, but like, I mean, it, the it, moments of silence were great, and like, it made sense for the time, but go ahead. It might just be me being a fanboy and loving pretty much any type of movie that allows me to escape to a different world. I want the aesthetic. I want the rose tint. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's, that's, what I, that's what I show up for. And... I just thought this movie delivered it in spades and the score was no small no small part of that. Oh yeah. Absolutely. It's a very 50s <laughs> very mid 50s mm-hmm. score. Uh it's not all orchestra. It is very stylized for yeah. what we're presented with. It's pretty much all theremins. <laughs> I I'm telling you, I like this Cr- score Krell so tunes. much that i listen to whatever shitty itunes knockoff there is on spotify like this soundtrack's not available so there's like someone that's like music inspired by forbidden planet and i'll just like mm-hmm. be driving around and listening to the like i'm just like i love it i'm crazy about it man uh it's so cool and it's like only an aesthetic that you can like really pull off in this time period it's it's very very niche very very product of its time and that's what i that's what i love about it that's what's cool to me yeah it's uh it's retro futurism yeah it's like it's so interesting to see like 
a movie where you know the creators of the film are just like this is going to be the future this is 200 years into the future as we can best predict it mm-hmm. and then people still talk like they're in the 50s yeah like it's super funny well, um, it's also like a, a very comforting fantasy of like hey remember when uh people thought the future was gonna be cool mm-hmm. <laughs> not like we're gonna die from something fucking boring like climate change like, <laughs> no every technological advancement is gonna be for the better right <laughs> Oh shit! Fuck! 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 What if a guy didn't get girls in college and collapse democracy? How about that? Oh shit! We didn't predict this. <laughs> shit, 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 shit! 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 Fuck! This is gonna ruin Disney World's Tomorrowland exhibit. <laughs> I don't mean to get too meta on here. That's a. That's the thing. So, to, before we dive into the plot, I wanted to talk about something that I thought was really interesting about the poster of this movie. Um, yeah. So, we have um, the very classic, old-school sci-fi monster movie, The Monsters Holding the Prone Woman. Um, mm-hmm. Robbie the Robot is holding the prone Anne Francis. Mm-hmm. First of all, it creates the impression that Robbie is evil. When really, yeah. when that actually happens in the movie, he's coming forth with a dead body and being like, can you believe what happened? This is bad. He's like carrying yeah. the body to show the people. So it really fucks with your expect. Like, I, I expected Robbie to turn evil the whole movie. I thought he was going to go Hal just because of that poster. Yeah, me too. Second of all, when it happens in the movie, it is not Anne Francis, the only female in this movie. It is a man. Mm-hmm. It is this crazy, overt sexism that on the poster they put something in the movie that didn't happen because they clearly didn't want to show like a prone man being carried by a robot. They wanted to show a woman, which I just thought was super interesting um, because I used to work in a, at an addictions treatment facility and I wanted to make my office 50 sci-fi themed. And I was like well i can't have any posters of someone smoking a cigarette because this is um this is an addiction treatment facility and Mm -hmm. i also i don't want a bunch of posters of prone women you know like i don't i just don't want i don't want to signal sexism to my clients you know like i I just don't want that surrounding the whole office i want to signal empowerment Mm mm-hmm you would be surprised how few 50 sci-fi posters I was able to find without one of those two things. <laughs> <laughs> either a cigarette or a prone woman. <laughs> you got to you got to either go for like yeah. a nature documentary or yeah. <laughs> like well, I ju- just a guy with a gun and no cigarette. Yeah. I I abandoned the theme <laughs> because it wasn't going to yeah. work. <laughs> I, I abandoned it. Fuck it, there aren't any. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I had one, and it was a. Uh, well, it was a fifty sci-fi, ah, uh, fifties horror creature from the Black Lagoon. It had. Yeah. It had the. It had the prone woman in it, but I was like, okay, if you have one, it's not as horrible. So I also counteracted it with uh, an aliens poster, which is Sigourney Weaver holding a young girl holding a gun and i was like what's more empowering than sigourney weaver holding a gun that that should neutralize my creature from the black lagoon poster 
And then I went for a third, which was the UK version of the Princess Bride poster, which is really dope. And nice. That was, that was yeah. just unrelated. But The Office did not have a theme, for those wondering. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, your Aliens poster probably won out for me. I would just be looking at that. Feeling inspired. It was pretty dope. Oh, man. It's right what to my great... right right now. Looking at you, Sigourney. Thanks I can't see it from here. I love her. She's great. She kicks ass. That movie kicks ass. Yep. Uh, this movie kicks ass too, man. It does, man. I love this movie. Tell, I want to hear your... Because I'd already seen this. Give give me your impressions, just general impressions from a first watch going in cold. Uh, Well, this was the second movie I watched out of the three. I hadn't seen any of these three movies before. Surprise, surprise. I hadn't seen these 1950s flicks. Um, Yeah, I, I got a really good taste i got in a really good headspace for um this kind of movie with the day the earth stood still i was kind of in the right mindset to watch another one of these and then forbidden planet you you came up with the theme for the episode and your immediate response was this is my pick and i was like denny was pretty excited about this um i kind of drew um the day the earth stood still out of a hat more or less uh maybe this one will be good and like i thought my pick was really good and then i was like well this one's got to be even better and it was i honestly thought forbidden planet was awesome it's hell yeah it's kind of the next step in sci-fi you know we talked about black and white film versus color film like new innovations aren't like they are today where you know it's it's weird to think about these being five years apart because when you think 50s sci-fi you think of the basically the same kind of movie Mm -hmm. you think of almost the same movie really it's just like alien comes to earth little kid with a train set talks to a human or like a terrible plastic rubber monster Mm -hmm. that's kind of what you think of and then this is such an advancement and it's not to belittle the day the earth stood still but like this is such an advancement of the sci-fi genre to happen within the same decade 60 70 years ago was pretty impressive to see yeah i just just thought it was cool it was like seeing the advancement happen and all of it taking place way before <laughs> either of us or even my parents were alive. My parents I, were alive, I, but my parents are old. I, I thought my parents were old, but I guess not old enough. Yeah. My dad was about to be born when this movie came out. <laughs> but he did watch the Apollo missions launch, so that's yeah. that's old as hell. I was um, the uh, oldest of three, and I'm pretty sure my mom had me at 37. She's a trooper. Damn. Yeah. I... I was born on my dad's 33rd birthday. Damn. Yeah, same birthday. Wait, you and your yeah. dad have the same birthday? I did not know oh, yeah. this. Yeah, I was born on his 33rd. It's it's awesome. That's I love pretty it. cool. Yeah. I didn't tell uh, your dad happy birthday at your birthday party. I feel bad now. You should. I'll remember that next year. He texted me and he said, Denny's an asshole. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like your dad. That sounds like him. <laughs> For those who are who haven't met Greg's parents, they are some of the nicest people on earth. Some of the kindest, sweetest, nicest people I've ever met in my life. 
I think it, they would wince if they heard anybody, including me, say asshole. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I don't like that. Yeah, we, we can't tell them about this podcast. They'll hate us both. No, they Couple. won't. They'll accept us. They're but like, they'll be disappointed. Well, we're just proud of you that you're putting yourself out there. <laughs> A couple of Shirley Bennett's, those two. Love them to death. Your parents rule. Crazy about them. Uh, me too. Where was I going with this? I think you were talking about how thick Robbie the Robot is. What a thick boy, dude. Bro, like, this dude squats and, like... <laughs> he... He's... he he can hold his alcohol and turn it into 600 times more alcohol. Yeah. What a champ. Robbie's bitching, bro. I mean, he's also a non-binary icon. <laughs> no, I think he operates mostly on binary. Oh, shit! That was quick. That was quick. Consider me impressed, Greg. Thanks, that was a dog. good joke. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That was a you. good joke. <laughs> um dude i thought i've thought a lot about robbie uh he's basically a protectron from the fallout series if you play those games this this totally inspired um every piece of media that's like based on the 50s that features a robot it is based on robbie the robot well he got like a he got spinoffs i think he had like other movies and a tv show if i'm not mistaken like, he was like a character that lived beyond this movie. He resonated with people. Resonated with me, man. He was yeah, awesome. Dude. Robbie fucking rules. He's the shit. <sighs> it's, a, it's a perfect name, too. Robbie. Robbie can the like, robot. He can, like... He's a robot that can, like, replicate stuff inside his little tum-tums. Hell yeah. He rules, dude. He um, enables alcoholism. What's cooler than that? What's cooler than that? He says, reaching for his glass of whiskey. As mm -hmm. Denny drinks his beer. Mm. Remember when we used to drink Tango Charlie's on this show? I thought about the other day, but it's uh, that that's a summer beverage. I was, is, that's exactly what I thought. We're in mid to late November now. It is not the time for nope. a refreshing, sparkling strawberry or... I don't want something tangy lemon yeah. lime drink no that that's for grilling in the summer well, this we'll, is this is scotch and rum time <laughs> we'll we'll try again next summer brother they're they're gonna sponsor us don't worry our summer sponsor yeah i hope so <laughs> this is this is a harder alcohol time of year yeah um dude i feel like as different as these movies are, this is a very homogenous golly gee willikers ass episode. Yeah. Uh, I didn't mean for it to be that way. <laughs> well, no, we, we were talking in between seamless edits that it's like, what is there to really say other than they're from the 50s and they were very good? They're, like, other than like describing the movie, which you can just watch it. You know, like, there's these are all good movies in the same genre from the 50s yeah that's right damn i know what we could do greg what can we do we could talk about sexism that's right if women don't wear modest fucking clothing i'm gonna be so pissed <laughs> 
Dude, it was a roller coaster of a scene when you have, like, the guy, like, being really rapey with her, and it's kind of portrayed in a positive <laughs> light. And then you have Leslie Nielsen intervene, and you're like, oh, they didn't mean for us to think that was good. That was a bad guy. I got confused about the tone. And then he fucking victim blames her for how she's dressed. And, and she's she's basically wearing a turtleneck and loose jeans, and he's like, you should cover up more. And she's like, more? Yeah, <laughs> like, it was what? a roller coaster that I, I thought they were going to redeem it and have a conversation yeah. about how, like, that guy was bad. And, like, a better thing to do, if you're a man in that situation, you can say, hey, fuck you, you horny bastard, you're exploiting someone. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, how dare you dress this way around voyages alone on a ship? Um, and uh, what I ultimately came to is as much as I love, I love movies with an idea of an analog future. Cause there's just something so cute and charming about the idea that they could not perceive digital, you know, like they're, mm-hmm. they're just like making spaceships where a physical button does a physical thing and they cannot perceive like digital computation but unfortunately that means space without internet which means no porn which leads to situations like this where you got a bunch of horny earthlings trying to date rape uh whatever planet this is uh, dwellers because they're just so fucking horny and that's all they can do and they justify it it's, I, I I forgot the name of the planet. Um, did they tell us the name of the planet? They sure did. I have I no recollection it of it. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, remember when we got to see a monkey? That's a that's a win for our podcast. Um, my note here is all caps monkey five exclamation marks. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Um, that's for the yeah, hardcores I, of movies for when <laughs> that's that's for the uh the real the real fans of the show real yeah. friends of the show friends of the show Dude, yeah so yeah it's it's basically this this scientist this doctor he's living alone on the planet with his daughter and they've got like a super house that's also kind of like a weird biome where he's doing all his experiments, but he's also got like a tiger and some deer, like Denny was saying. And then a monkey shows up for like five seconds, runs onto the table, knocks something over, runs outside. We never see the monkey again. And it was it was a great scene. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I Riveting. love monkeys. That, I love that monkeys. monkey. Killed it. He killed it. And it was absolutely a monkey. I say that with complete confidence. Not an ape. We don't need another monkey gate on our hands. No more monkey gate, baby. <laughs> that was a real monkey. Um, man, we could detail the plot of this movie. Mm-hmm. We could. Or we could talk about, I don't know, to me, what like other than the visuals and the score, the staying power is the philosophy. And that that's what always appeals to me about a really good sci-fi, is they have some sort of philosophical element and maybe in a post matrix era that's kind of cringe but i don't care um and also the matrix like shut the fuck up it did successfully predict a lot of things about the world you know like mm-hmm. it did raise some questions and 
I get it. It's not 1999, and those aren't mind-blowing. But in 1999, they were, okay? So fuck off. Um, yeah. So this idea that we project our fears into our reality and they dominate us. Mm-hmm. Greg, what, what's your take on Monsters of the Id as, as we're portrayed in this movie? Well, I kind of thought of it more... My approach is more just like comparing it to the other two movies where it was just like, this is a physical being. We know exactly where it came from. And one movie, we know how to handle it. The other movie, we're not really sure, but we're figuring it out. Mm -hmm. And then this movie is, we take the entire movie to figure out what the, you know, monster, for lack of a better term, really is. Mm -hmm. And what to do about it. Mm-hmm. We don't find it out until like the last 10 minutes of the movie. Um, so I, I, I kind of... My thoughts on it were more comparative to the other two movies. It was just like... The thread is more of a concept than like a scary monster. Or an alien threat. It is a terrifying concept for sure that gets revealed later on like you were saying but i don't know i didn't really have too many thoughts on um the philosophy behind it uh i'll let you take over i guess (laughs) yeah how you doing i'm a therapist (laughs) um (laughs) boy is he boy am i um what 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 god all my gimmicks greg you get me um so i spend a lot of time in my day-to-day life dealing with these things personally and helping other people deal with them and it's simply i don't (laughs) it's simply the idea that when you get traumatized your cave person brain gets a little overprotective of you um and basically is your brain starts screaming at you hey Remember that time you let your guard down and something bad happened? Don't you ever fucking walk back into that situation again. Don't you ever fucking let anything like that happen again. Um, And the problem with that is that it doesn't serve us because our brain only picks up on the cosmetics of the situation. So if something horrible happened to you in the fall, the leaves turning might trigger you. Um, it, it might um, bring up this fight-or-flight response that really doesn't actually signal danger. You know, like, it's the leaves turning are not a predictor that your trauma is about to reoccur. But as far as your brain's concerned, it might as well be. And so what we end up doing is we project our own fears onto our environment, and we respond like these things are scary. Um and it's a way that our Freudian id, so to speak, which what Freud was mm. talking about, that he deduced, honestly, like Freud was wrong about a lot of stuff, but his idea of the ego and the id kind of ended up being, like, proven. <laughs> They're, like, parts of our brain. It's our it's our limbic system and our prefrontal cortex. Um, super ego's kind of out there, but he was kind of right about those things. He just didn't have the biology to prove it. Um you know, our, our id takes over and we stop using our thinking brains and we start using our lizard brains. And I don't know, man. I just I just think there's something really poignant about uh, 
our fears and our desires being projected into our reality and how they affect us. Because um, what is reality other than what we perceive? And honestly, I don't know. I, I Honestly, at, at this point in the night, I don't have the energy to dive that deep into it. You can go ahead you, and just message me. You just Facebook. did, buddy. <laughs> oh, that's that's the fucking service, brother, brother. Um, that is not uh, that deep I, into it. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> but oh boy! You can go ahead and Facebook message me. I actually, um, I actually really love talking about this stuff, but it's pretty late on a Friday night. Um, ultimately, that's that's the factor that takes this from a good movie to a great movie for me. That's what mm-hmm. that's what pushes it from like a really visually stunning sci-fi with some effects that held up surprisingly well, despite, uh, the big boss kind of looking like the cave of wonders, um, from Aladdin. (laughs) (laughs) Who disturbs his slumber? (laughs) Only a diamond in the rough, brother, brother. (laughs) All that goes to say, that's like the poignant enduring message about like the human condition that really makes this something that I'm like, Hey, this didn't just help me escape it made me think it it, mm-hmm. it started a conversation that was important for me and uh yeah i don't know i, I honestly I, I don't want to follow it to inroads right now i'm tired i'm gonna be honest <laughs> yeah you're, you're talking about how you're not like going deep into anything and it's like am i supposed to go deep because when you said lizard brain, I stuck my tongue out and wiggled it around for like 20 <laughs> seconds. Here's a fun fact, Greg. The first part of your brain to develop an embryo looks a lot like an iguana's brain. It's the center of your brain. It's where all your fight or flight instincts are. And it's where, uh, it's where your uh, emotions get processed. The last part of your gr- brain to grow, which it doesn't develop fully until your mid-20s, is your prefrontal mm. cortex. They usually the prefrontal cortex, which contains things like logic, language, delayed gratification and whatnot, communicates with the limbic system through a little tube called the hypothalamus and receives input from the limbic system while it continues to control the show. At times when you were feeling threatened, the limbic system takes over and you are just operating like a fucking iguana if you think your life is in danger. So then the robot drives around on a little golf cart. <laughs> but it's got some other stuff on it. <sighs> yeah, um Yeah, I had completely different thoughts. Lay them on uh, me. Like halfway like from myself versus myself. So I have a note here that was clearly taken down about 30 minutes into the movie where i said there's no moral quandaries here but this is rather a sci-fi yowza wowza session and that is my note as it is written boy did and that change that super changed it's <laughs> just like i did not expect such a heady concept from a 50s sci-fi film yeah i thought like the big advancement is they are actually in space kind of in the future on another planet and there's color. That's going to be the big advancement, right? Mm-hmm. No. Conceptually, the whole crux of the story is like mankind's overreach for knowledge and lust for knowledge. Yeah. And maybe we're not as... Even the smartest person is not as capable as they think they are. Yeah. 
and like this this doctor this scientist that's been living on this planet and studying this alien race he's the most intelligent and qualified to understand everything about them but in his efforts to attain their knowledge is just reduced to the same human weaknesses as everybody else in the film yeah. it's it's super cool and it's just like it doesn't matter how smart you think you are if there is a highly intelligent force that we don't understand it doesn't matter how smart you are whatever they left behind is going to take over you basically like you can't outthink or out ego the problem mm -hmm. and unfortunately for dr morbius he didn't realize that and it he didn't even know it was a problem until it was pointed out to him mm -hmm. it's a <sighs> it's a trope i'm always down for is like a really really intellectual person missing the like painstakingly obvious truth that you're limited by your human condition just this yeah. like staring you in the face you cannot get around it you can only do what a human can do yeah it, it's it's like the scientists in the thing from another planet where he's like well i'm the scientist here i'm going to try to communicate with the creature and then in this movie it's i'm the smart scientist i'm going to try to you know uncover these artifacts and tap into the knowledge of this ancient race of alien mm -hmm. and it, they're just it comes to a head and it turns violent it turns nasty it what what they're seeking to attain turns against them and they don't know how to handle it yeah because at when it comes down to it they're just humans yep and that's what's scary the, it's it seems like a warning kind of you know like a lot of these movies have kind of a warning message of just like if you're not careful your actions might lead to this and it's just like you know th it doesn't matter how smart you think you are when you're faced with something that you don't understand maybe it's 10 times smarter than you and you don't even realize it yeah or maybe it just straight up doesn't care about you it makes me think of the movie uh ex machina yeah which we should watch sometime where oh, it's just like shit, we should watch that movie God, what a great movie and it's it's one of that well just like a complete quick little side note here that's one of the few movies that not only the characters feel that way but it makes the audience feel that way too mm -hmm. like the second you think you understand something that's kind of a higher concept even though it is man-made as soon as it comes to a head and oh man it just it'll it'll turn on you yep. fuck what a great movie it, uh, it's just the idea of like something that is outside your potential to understand yeah even your potential to understand yeah exactly yeah um it, it, it's a note i have here and i think i've mentioned it before actually too uh space dread is one of my favorite genres of film oh shit i'm stealing that that is so that 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 uh verbalizes something i felt for a long time oh yeah it it's just like it's such I don't want to say it's easy, but it's like 
it's such a a div, a diverse such an open topic to explore mm-hmm. for filmmaking is like space dread i'll call it is it's like the concept of a rescue mission on a ship and the crew is missing where could they be yeah. and there's like remnants of something it's going to a planet and there's one person left alive and they're not making a whole lot of sense it's discovering something not fully understanding it and slowly unearthing what it can mean mm-hmm. like however far into the future you want to go or even if you want to be restricted by like modern technology like that kind of genre and concept is like it clicks with me instantly i love exploring that kind of thing and even though this came out 65 years ago (laughs) i think this falls into that genre and makes me feel the same way as like an event horizon or something something like that yeah well, because it, it challenges, like, humans like meaning, and we like closure, and we like the idea that the universe is concrete, that we that we understand it. And mm-hmm. when we look into space, we are confronted with the idea that we know nothing. When we look into, like, uh, quantum physics, we're confronted with the idea that we know nothing. That we, that there is something so much bigger and so much more complex that if we could really understand it it would like fully break our brains forever (laughs) you know like that yeah that if we could like us experiencing it would just not it's not what our brains are meant to compute we're we're the idea that we're pushing our limits by engaging with this is such a scary crazy thought and especially for like creatures who crave meaning to look out into a universe that appears to be meaningless that appears to be so big that nothing in it matters and who knows what happens if you just throw yourself in a black hole (laughs) like there's just this like (laughs) who fucking knows man probably pretty weird uh ask 2001 a space odyssey what happens if you do that Uh, (laughs) like there's There's just a poster there it is bada boom there's, oh there's man the poster. when we do that movie it's gonna be a banger of an episode that's right um i almost picked it for next week i'm continually continually teasing what we're picking for next week Ooh. um but uh, i know very soon yeah <laughs> yeah yeah man there's just something so cool about like uh us knowing enough about the universe to know that we don't know anything about the universe like as a species you know we know we know just enough to know that like earth is an insignificant blue dot in a massive cosmos that we have no idea what the limitations or origins or what's going on we don't know and it, it at the same time it like it makes everything on earth seem extremely insignificant and at the same time it's the only significant thing we know of and it's just a mind fuck you know like it's yeah it's just crazy man it, it's space dread is cool I'm, I'm i'm stealing the term space dread from you i like it please do let's hope it catches on space dread everybody hashtag infinite bit fury trying to make it a thing still put it on a t-shirt uh <laughs> we're, we're gonna get t-shirts one day man yeah that's right that's how we're gonna uh, get rich that t-shirt i'll just money. i'll just put a i'll just do like high school band and just 
sharpie some stuff onto a blank white t-shirt there we go love it um yeah you ready to get into gimmicks there bud why not brother brother let's do it all right uh denny what is your favorite foreboding moral message um if you have a pet tiger it will cock block you (laughs) so don't have a pet tiger because you're not going to get laid with a tiger in the mix tiger king season two out now on netflix oh shit i need to watch that they don't sponsor us don't watch it (laughs) (laughs) they're our anti-sponsor we have to pay them yeah we have to pay them every time we make an episode boycott it i don't know (laughs) (laughs) they come collecting um greg what's 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 your favorite foreboding moral message uh it it was from the kind of date rapey scene and i said kissing is totally good for you there we go that's where the one guy that died later telling <laughs> telling the one female character well kissing each other is actually phys- physiologically stimulating and people need to do it so you better kiss me now she does it she's like i don't think that was very stimulating at all yeah. he's like maybe you should keep trying <laughs> he was a bad kisser he was a bad kisser that's why he died that's what you get um dude like real quick i thought the invisible alien thing was kind of interesting mm-hmm. or like ex- the, once you found out what it was incredibly interesting but like the way they filmed having it be invisible with like the footprints in the sand yeah and like it uh, it boards the ship and like bends the metal on the steps while staying invisible that was i thought that was incredibly well done really 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 cool yeah it was a note that i had that i forgot to mention but yeah it was a great scene and it was one of those things where you were like yeah i totally get how they did this they put dirt on a platform and lowered some footprint shaped things and that just didn't affect how cool it was you know like it was not hard to figure out it was a very simple effect and it really worked it was really cool how's the mark for it um oh shit greg doing the wrestling terminology learning the terms baby uh yeah it's it's 50 stuff I, it's like the retro futurism shit of having like a globe in your ship oh, that and then was a having cool like globe. your <laughs> having your space communicator on your belt be attached with like a little retractable yeah go ahead go ahead skipper so cool man <laughs> dude i could i could watch that shit all day i'm so crazy they, about it they couldn't figure out bluetooth but whatever <laughs> all right let's <laughs> Denny, what's your favorite line for Uh, Forbidden Planet? You know, it's kind of like Shawshank, where I'm like, is this the coolest line in the movie? No, but it's the one that stuck with me. I find myself whispering the phrase monsters from the id to myself regularly. When I'm Mm. like in therapy for myself or from someone else or just examining myself. Monsters, John. Monsters from the id. Um, For those who don't know, the id is uh freud's concept of the irrational um the irrational subconscious essentially that lives on the pleasure principle um it's trying to just find the most pleasure possible um the ego is perceived to be rational that operates on the delayed gratification principle and the superego is perceived to be irrational and relies on a perfect principle you have to achieve perfection and the ego mitigates and uh, negotiates between the id and the superego. For those who don't know what the id is, 
Um, I don't know, man. That's just a line that stuck with me. Monsters from the id. I think it's very relevant to the human condition. Good smile, Greg. Thanks. Are you going to ask me my favorite line? Yeah, Greg. What's your favorite line? I'm glad you asked any organically. <laughs> um, <laughs> mine, mine is another uh, title card, quote-unquote, line. And it's introducing Robbie the Robot. <laughs> As the performer, Robbie As... the Robot. Fuck off. <laughs> Um, as much as we praise Robbie the robot, don't don't pretend like he's just like we cast. We had a lot of robots to choose from, and yeah. we decided to cast Robbie. You're not and here. He is us. in his feature premiere. He also starred in the Jetsons. <laughs> from the television to the silver screen, is Robbie the robot? Greg, did you know that if uh, before we get into Critiker scores? Mm-hmm. If you subtracted 1D from the title of this movie, it would be Four Biden Planet. And that's the planet we live on right now. Oh, man. Yeah. Whoa, dude. Get out of my brain, Christopher Nolan. You're fucking. And this me. came out 30 years after Biden was born. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was really good. <laughs> possibly true. I don't know what year he was born, but at face value, I'll, I'll believe it. It feels right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Greg, what is your critic or score for Forbidden Planet? I also gave this one a 34 nice. out of 40. Nice. Uh, no dog deaths in this one. I still gave it a 34. Nice. Uh, solid, 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 enjoyable film. Nice. I gave it a 46 out of 50. I think that this is the magnum opus of a genre that just swept American cinema for an entire decade. Um, and and oh, yeah. a little bit more. I think that this is the best thing I have seen to come out of it. And uh, I have very few criticisms of it. Uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a 46, man. I think this is an all-time upper echelon movie. It's awesome, and I'm glad you picked it. Um, Thank you, sir. So, Denny, what is the best movie for when you dig retro sci-fi? You know, these are these are all really close, and I, I wouldn't fault anyone for picking any of these as the best, because honestly, when I was going through my 50s sci-fi phase, I watched a decent amount of films from the genre, uh, I'd say a solid handful, and I found that actually a lot of them suck. <laughs> like... <laughs> literally like pretty much where the term b movie comes from (laughs) is like drive-in movies where you go to see an actually good movie and as a double feature you get a pretty shitty one for those who wanted to hang around for another round and they were usually sci-fis um i think we picked three of the cream of the crop for this week um i'm gonna go with forbidden planet my own pick again I, i i think they're all fantastic movies i think this is the magnum opus like i just said a minute ago what about you greg um i agree with you i have i think the thing is honestly the best movie i saw out of the three Mm -hmm. but for when you dig retro sci-fi just the visuals put forbidden planet over the edge i gave him i gave him the same rating 
but I honestly feel like if you want to just like jump in like what was sci-fi like back before my parents were born mm -hmm. and you just had to pick one of these movies I would say to watch Forbidden Planet um, so I think that gets my win nice. even though I liked the thing a little bit more that's a lot of that is mostly coming from how much I love capital L-O-V-E the uh, remake you know hell yeah man so no i'm with you 100 percent. I, I couldn't fault any of these movies being the pick honestly but i really do think if you wanted to capture a genre and say you're only going to watch 150 sci-fi ever for your whole life i just think you've got to go with forbidden planet i just think it's the only choice yeah and we weren't even like just targeting the 50s it just kind of happened that way yeah yep 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 uh I, I would say Alien is retro sci-fi, and that's one of the best movies ever made. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, Alien has this timeless aspect to it. All yeah. of these movies are very 50s. Like, you know you're yeah. watching a 50s movie. If Alien came out today, I would think it was good as fuck. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be like, oh, I mean, like, obviously you would know it was like a throwback, but I'm just saying, like, there's another level of good that alien achieves and you could say the mm -hmm. same about like um you could say the same about 2001 a space odyssey you could say the same about as much as we don't like to talk about it on this podcast star wars um there's just like there's just something that is just transcends generations in those movies these movies are all very much their own place in time they don't really break out of that place in time but they are really fantastic when you consider what cinema was at that time yeah like they they're they're just great man and i, I don't yeah. think if you released forbidden planet in 2021 i i think people would fucking laugh at it um but <laughs> it wasn't released in 2021 it was released in 1956 and all that goes to say i i, I love it man I love all these movies. We we had a great week of movies, even if they weren't uh, particularly what I was in the mood for. Or if we didn't particularly have time to watch them. Well, that was one of us. <laughs> what a what a week! <laughs> I crushed it's, it, and I had an all weekend bachelor party to go to. It's me, guys. <laughs> I suck. Um, you don't suck, Greg. You're one of the best people I've ever known in my life. I suck at getting around to watching movies, though. Not usually, just this week, and you've had every every excuse, every 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 reason, and we're only Stupid. a day late and a buck short. Stupid Pokemon. The timing and the structure. Did you hear he fucked her? <laughs> uh, Denny. Yeah, Greg. Next week is going to be a little bit different. We're throwing the format out the fucking window, ladies and gentlemen. You see that? You see that window? Crack it open. Grab that format. Throw it the hell out of there. Every format you have, throw it out that window. Um, next week, we are going to do, in interest of Thanksgiving time and life stressors, we are going to do a deep dive into one and only one movie. And we're... Singular going to dive deeper than we normally dive into that movie and in addition to that we are going to do a q a episode um mm -hmm. because not only does this take three hours to record every week 
it takes like nine to 12 hours to watch all the movies before you record it, depending on the week. Um, and we can't do that every week. And this is our first, uh, first shake it up episode. We'll call it a shake it up episode. I'm coining the term right now. Um, I like it. So what we are going to do is next week, we're going to do one amazing movie that deserves to be talked about. And we are going to open a Q and a, to the audience and if no one responds greg and i are just going to ask each other questions like it's our first night of summer camp and we're trying to get to know each other um so That's right <laughs> um we'll see how it goes hopefully people are more interested in this idea than in our sci-fi suggestions um so we don't have to pick our own um <laughs> that's right so all that goes to say greg gave me this week's pick and he trusted me and i almost picked beetlejuice just to make him watch it so he could watch the video i uploaded on our youtube channel about mental health and beetlejuice but alas it is not october and that is a movie for october i have chosen one of my favorite movies ever made this should not shock anyone mm -hmm. pulp fiction yes 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 i got lots of shit to say and i cannot wait to watch it this there's two movies i've watched so much that vanessa is sick of them and it's pulp fiction and the big lebowski and you know what vanessa's out of town this weekend and so there we go I'm, baby i'm not gonna torture her and watch them again I am so excited for us to do Pulp Fiction next week, and I hope we get some good cues, and I hope we provide some good A's. Denny, you always provide the best A's, and right now I need you to provide the best catch for A's. Wow. That was a reach, but it totally worked, and I admire your aplomb. That was 11 out of 10, buddy. No, 11 is right next to me that's my dog's name what a good girl for greg work the leg work johnson i'm denny the talent taylor and this has been movies for win we already told you win Wee <laughs> <laughs>